Hey everyone, it is Nick here and welcome to this week's episode of Scale Up. Now, over the last few weeks, we have spent a lot of time talking about business stuff, boards, exits, valuations. You know, I, I love to geek out, right, about everything to do with scaling and building a high value company. But I equally geek out when we start to talk about who it is that you need to be to be able to create that, right? What sort of leader do you need to be, not just in the business, but just in life? So today I thought we might mix things up a bit. Let's call it a slight change of direction, right? But equally as important and powerful as some of the business concepts that I talk about week in and week out. So before we get into who we have on the show today, I just want to go back a step and say that if you let something like fear paralyze you, if you get caught up looking backwards in the past, quite often that can slow you down and almost stall, stop you from achieving the things that you want to achieve in your life and getting to realize your full potential. Now, I'm not trying to be too esoteric about this. If I think back to the experience that changed everything for me when I went to Tony Robbins in 2018. Tony said something at that event, which was one of the most powerful statements that has stayed with me to this day. He said that, imagine if you looked at everything that happens to you in your life, not as an obstacle, but something that serves you. Imagine that everything is not happening to you. It's happening for you. Now, just reflect on that statement for a second. Now, I get it, in the moment, you lose your job, you lose someone you care about in a relationship, whatever happens, in the moment, it is painful. It can be traumatic. It can cause all sorts of uncertainty. But how many times has something bad, inverted commas, happened to you, but then you look back a number of years later and say, it was that one thing that changed my direction, changed my journey, and actually, it was one of the best things that ever happened to me right? Incredible when you look at the world through that lens. So today on the show, I have the amazing Tracy Litt. She is a spiritual advisor, a mindset coach. She is a TEDx speaker, and she is the author of the book, Worthy Human. She has had her fair share of tragedy herself. She lost her mother at 24. She went through all sorts of uncertain situations since that event. I'm not gonna steal her thunder, we're gonna get into that very shortly. But what I love about her story is that she looks at the journey through fear, grief, trauma as stages of personal growth. And what you're gonna get from this conversation today is no matter what's happened to you in your life, in your business, you can turn it around, you can look at it differently. And quite frankly, if you start to look at things like that, it's gonna accelerate you, your business, your life to where you really want to be. Let me say this mindfully. This is my calling. And after my beautiful husband and my children, this is the love of my life, this work. And we have some very practical tips that we're going to talk about around that today, particularly the biological part of the human experience. So what actually happens when we have fear? What does it do to our state, you know, our nervous system and things like that? We are going to change for generations to come. Consciousness revolution is here. And the only way to 
improve our world, to raise the collective consciousness, to shift the frequency of our world, which is what then generates generational change, is one person at a time. So as I said, a slightly different episode today, right, than you know, business valuations and all that sort of thing. But you know what? As important. Welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, Tracy Lip. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Scale Up with Nick Bradley, another week. I'm delighted to have on the show today, Tracy Litz. Tracy, welcome. Hello. I'm so excited to hang out. Now, Tracy has got one of the best TEDx talks around. I mean, I know there are a lot of fantastic um, speeches, uh, thoughts, uh, movements that come from the TEDx stage, but I encourage you to listen to hers, particularly because it's about fear and how we think about fear, how we contextualize fear. And where that resonates with me personally is one of the first episodes I did of Scale Up, which was called Scale Up Your Business back in the day, Tracy, was around <laughs> fear and gratitude. And, and I, the reason for this, and I'll share this with the audience, is I was going through my own journey at that point in time, and I was starting to understand how fear can both you know, literally paralyze you, but can also empower you. So I love your talk, and I just wanted to reference it first as we kick off so that listeners can uh, go and watch that amazing speech. Thank you. Uh, yeah, I, I love that you made that connection early on for yourself between fear and gratitude, because that's one of the components of the way that I speak about fear and teach fear is it's actually fear is not something to fear. Fear is not something to avoid. It's not mm. something to push through, right? We were, we were raised very much like, if you feel the fear, do it anyway. If you feel the fear, <laughs> push through. And, and it's, it is an actual, it's counterproductive. Whereas when we have gratitude for the fear, where we have genuine love and appreciation, because when we're talking about fear in the way we're discussing it, right? Growing your business, building wealth, enjoying your success, being more present with your loved ones, all of these things that really define holistic success. The kind of fear you're experiencing is not danger. The kind of fear you're experiencing is because you're getting after it. You're making it happen. Mm -hmm. You're expanding. You're healing. You're doing things that are unfamiliar to your brain, to your nervous system, to your lived experience. And fear is doing a phenomenal job. It's like, it's, it's, I, I joke and say fear is like the employee of the year every year, right? Because it just does exactly <laughs> what it needs to be doing. Well, I went, I mean, people know this because I've talked about it um, on the show many a time, but not obviously with you. I, I went through a transition from the world of private equity into what I do now. And that world is a little bit maybe like being in the military. You are, you are put in a certain environment where you have to conform to rules and culture, like very, very, very disciplined way of working. And when a few things didn't quite go to plan in my career and my life, uh, the structure that I'd become so used to wasn't there anymore. Then I had that uncertainty, right? Which was fear. But now I realize looking back at it, which is always a great thing, like the hindsight piece, that it was serving me in more ways than I appreciated. Absolutely. Well, you know, this, this links beautifully into um, highest good. Yep. And what uncertainty is doing to us on a, a human level, on a brain level, right? So when you're in that moment of uncertainty, if you haven't listened to a beautiful conversation like this, or you haven't dug deep into the inner work, um, it just feels like, oh my God, I don't know what's going to happen next. And it starts to paralyze you. And then the fear gets even more pervasive. And now you're like, ah! Whereas if you shift that and just listen to the energy and tone of my voice, 
I have no idea what's going to happen next. Is no, you a completely don't. different energy, <laughs> but it, and that that's excited. That's knowing that the p- potentials and possibility only exist in uncertainty. It only exists in the unknown, because if it was known to you, you'd already be in that lived experience. So it's our responsibility to dramatically shift our perspective and how we relate to the unknown and the uncertainty. And rather than go, I don't know what's going to happen next and fall into this like third dimensional, low level consciousness fear, we pause and we go, hold on. All new potentials and possibilities only exist in the unknown. So then... I have no idea what's going to happen next, and I love it. Yeah, well, I want to get quite practical as much as anything on this today because I, you know, you've studied this, you've got your own story, which we'll get into in a second around this as well. But how how you actually learn to be comfortable when it often feels uncomfortable, right? And this idea that, you know, I, I think that everything that that's really been great in my life has always sat on the other side of fear, right? Mm-hmm. But how how is it then, right? And we and I definitely want to get into your story before we get into it. But this is the theme: how is it that so many people struggle to lean into that, even if they've heard it thousands and thousands of times? And and what is it about our makeup, our psychology, our emotional state, all of those things, which which makes that so challenging? So let's let's get to that in a second. Okay, <laughs> okay I'm ready. I'm going. I know, there. I'm I ready. I'm go right in there. there. I'm right I know, there. <laughs> I know you're there. I know we're going to get to it. I'm going to, I'm going to kind of try and curate this conversation as best I can. I knew that you were a powerhouse before you came on the show, Tracy. So I've, I've done my reps this morning. Um, but let's learn about you. I know that okay. you had a successful corporate career, all of that sort of stuff. And now you're doing this thing that absolutely lights you up. I can tell just in the first few minutes of talking. But how did you get to where you are today from where you were? Let's go through that. Mm, okay. So I was in my VP of human resources position. And it was very like, why am I not happy now? Right? I mean, there I am. I've got the title. I had the six figures. I worked from home. My company loved me. I loved my company. There was nothing, quote, wrong. But this this pull in my soul was like, this, this is, no. Like that, your your my soul felt like it was dying, and I felt so underutilized. There was something more that I was capable of and destined for, and I didn't know what it is. But that was kind of like the tinge of the feeling, right? Kind of like going into work and feeling this can't be it. Did something? Like, I'm going to interject because I want to kind of go please. deep into some yeah. of these pieces. Was there a thing that happened? Was there one day something happened that made you feel even more about that, or was it something that built up over time? It was completely built up over time. There was nothing external that occurred. It was all internal. And this is what where we get to start to really weave in some of this as beautiful mm. listeners are with us. We are so conditioned to the external. Everything's outside of us. Look outside of you. There has to be some external catalyst. There has to be something that happened. And really, the more connected you become internally, internally uh, having that perspective and connection, the more you gain. So how did you, how did you that. feel that time? So when, when you, was it more of a kind of this, this feeling that was starting to build up until mm-hmm. a point yes. or was it, you know what, I, I just feel a little bit uncomfortable right now. Just take us through that feeling. Yeah. So the feeling wasn't uncomfortable. We'll get to that because okay. that, that happened, but the feeling was empty. Mm-hmm. 
blah, unfulfilled. Okay. Like, almost like I was observing myself. I'm going through the motions. Look, there she is. She's doing it. And again, nothing was wrong. Everybody loved me. I loved them, was thriving in the job. All was well. But internally, I was empty and unfulfilled and questioning. I've got to be here for something greater than this. This is fine. Great. I'm not going to die like this. I cannot possibly just mm, continue to do this, right? And that, which and your questions are so phenomenal, I appreciate them. That started getting bigger and bubbling up higher. And it was more like, I, I need to acknowledge this. Now I got to go figure out what's really coming through here. See, I had a similar situation. Um, and a, a more, more dramatic things happened, which then... As I say, the gift that I was given allowed me to then be brave enough to change. I, I don't know if I, well, would I have changed before? I don't know. But I had this saying that kept popping into my head, which was, are you happy? Are you happy? And, and, it, and it happened all the time, Tracy, yeah. to the point where it was this like, who, who's this thing talking to me? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And that, was the first, that was the first time that I realized that I needed to, to lean into a higher purpose into mm. what I do now versus what I was doing back then. Oh, Nick, this is huge. So that, that, are you happy? Yeah. That was your him. That was your higher self, yeah. right? And yes. And that's the whisper. That's exactly what started happening with me. That was a whisper and my higher self, my she, um, and we'll loop this into a lot of practical how, cause that's my jam. Cool. Um, it was her, like your highest self is always ready and waiting. For all of us. So everyone just like allow yourself for just a minute to play along in this conversation. We all have a higher self and you have this highest self that only holds you in your full potential, only sees you in your wholeness, is complete love, is full trust, is, in the, is the embodiment of our connection to our oneness, right? The energy from which we all derived. Mm-hmm. And your journey of ascension into becoming that highest self into that next level and that next and the next will always happen. And the only question there is, is it going to be through catalyst or is it going to be through choice? Right. So, so explain the breakup of those. So catalyst meaning something happens potentially externally. Correct. The catalyst is external. Yes. Yes. What happened to me is I broke my teeth. Right. So, so okay. three, three things happened outside. Well, so my, my father passed away. I had a, a, a 10 figure exit that I was negotiating in a private equity firm. Um, and then I had a few other bits and pieces going on around the edges, but they were the big things. And then one night I went to bed and I broke my teeth. Wow. Actually, you know, well, I woke up in the, in the morning. Right. With the, but here's the thing. I remember looking in the mirror at 3am like in this pain, right? Thinking what's just happened to you and kind of working it out because I had like shards of teeth floating around in my mouth. And I remember the same voice was like, how did you get here? Mm -hmm. And then that was the, uh, literally about four weeks later, I landed at a um, Tony Robbins event, a UPW, mm -hmm. sat there crying my eyes out for a few days because I was learning different things. Maybe some of the stuff that you've, you've learned over your time too, different ways of connecting with heart and head and all sorts of things. And I remember at one point at that event, the voice came back and it said, trust yourself. 
And then that was, that was the catalyst to use your word that I came back and I quit private equity. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That was the sequence over the space exactly. of, you know, it, it built up over time, but then there was mm-hmm. a, a very intense few weeks where I decided to change that trajectory. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I really want to witness you because the trust and the courage to leap like that is what it's all about, mm. right? If we take a moment and kind of look at the, what, what the other trajectory could have been, right? If let's yeah. say you just didn't listen to the voice, you resisted it, all of these happenings would have gotten more aggressive over time, right? And it could have created even a certain dis-ease in your system and your body and illness mm. and all of these other things. But the sooner you heed the sooner you become obedient to that moment, right? Like for me, which was like, you can't die like this and you're sharing. And then you allow yourself to explore what's possible. Now you are on the path, whatever that path is. You're just now just on the path. But back and that's to what your, it's all about. You're too, you said before there was the catalyst, mm-hmm. like my experience. And then there was, mm-hmm. what was the other word you used? It choice. Was choice. Choice. Yeah. What's the yeah. difference between the two then? So exciting because we're living in a consciousness revolution and we are publicly, globally having phenomenal conversations like this. This is what opens up the choice option. Okay. 20 years ago, there was no choice option because what we're able to know and learn in neuroscience and research and healing and somatics and expansion and quantum physics and the field, we know now, but we didn't know then. So when we talk about Catalyst, your series of events, is a gorgeous example. Those were externally catalytic for you to then go, wait a second, what's up? And then you heated that and now here you are, mm. right? Um, catalytic could be, I have a cancer diagnosis. I'm probably going to take a look at what's going on here and make some changes, right? That's catalytic. Choice is right now, a beautiful listener is with us and there is a resonance in their body and they go, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with choice rather than waiting a few months or a few mm, years okay, for something you. catalytic to smack me. Do we you don't need everyone, to be smacked. No, no, no. <laughs> you probably don't want to be smacked. Um, do you think, though, that there is a third option, right? Mm-hmm. And the third option is neither of those two things happen. Now, I, I could be totally out on a different, mm-hmm. different tangent here, but, like, you know how you see some people who they go through their life And it looks like, and this is only from the outside perspective, they never actually reach a point of maybe purpose and contentment. Mm. Or they might reach it at the very end, you know, right at the Mm -hmm. very end. But but at that point, there's a a point of regret maybe that they didn't learn it earlier. Oh, You see what I mean here? So choice is great. Having a catalyst is great. Maybe not reaching either of those two things isn't great, but it definitely feels like that's an option. Okay, so it's absolutely an option. I, this is so great. It's absolutely an option because everybody um, has agency over themselves and everyone operates at different levels of consciousness. You're at different levels of readiness to hear the call, right? Mm, okay. So if you are um, head down, living in acute chronic stress, uh, everything that you do is directly connected to how valuable you are. You don't celebrate yourself. You're chasing the next carrot. You are on the hamster wheel. You won't even hear this conversation. 
Well, that was me many years ago. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's okay. And that's why I am in love with the fact that we are in a consciousness revolution where our generation has a divine responsibility to start to show up and really, really heed the call and answer and explore and recognize our priority of going within and working on ourselves. Mm. And ultimately, there will be a collective of people who don't wake up in their lifetime. And, and this is, there's no like, there's no right, wrong, good or bad, because there's no judgment in it. When you are truly um, on the path and you are operating from higher consciousness, judgment does not get a seat at the table, right? So there will be a collective and they don't because it wasn't either their soul's journey um, or they weren't ready to, so they don't. And that's cool. And then you have the collective of people that are going to very happily do it, but once they get knocked a few times catalytically, and then you have really the seekers who are listening to this and like, whoo, yes, what's my first move, right? I want, I want to get into this now because we are all so extraordinarily capable, right? We have we, we, to, to operate... Ah, from our oneness and, and with open hearts and more love and, and flow and connection and community, that's like, that's the whole point. So we're going to get point. practical after we finish your story. Oh, yeah. I you, we jump around a lot oh, yeah. on the show. I love it. Um, I, I do want to, I do want to um, bring up the quote that you start off your TEDx talk with now though, because I think it's a nice, a nice segue into a bit more of this, but, and, and again, I'll get this wrong, but I love the quote because I've heard it many times. It's something like the definition of horror hell. or something like hell that's right yes is is you know on your deathbed seeing the person you could have become something like that yes isn't it? i will i will tell it to you because that's the other thing that came to my awareness when you just asked about this third group the the do people not wake up uh someone once told me the definition of hell on my last day on earth the person that i became will meet the person oh, i could have become goosebumps <laughs> they, that literally changed the trajectory of my whole impact when I found that quote, and I, I searched feverishly to credit it, I don't, it's anonymous. Like, I cannot find it. If someone can find it, let me know. I have searched. When I experienced that quote, I literally, I, cry, I cried. I can feel the emotion of the crying right now. And I had this, like, intense fire under my ass. Like, at the same time, I was holding those emotions because I'm not willing to get to the end and not have played how great can this human experience get? And how much fun and connection can I have on the way there? Could you imagine, Nick, the world that we would cultivate if everyone adopted that lens? Oh, it'd be, it'd be transformational. Right? That's, my, I mean, that's what I'm working towards. Like, it's like, hello, permission to be joyful, permission to prioritize how you feel. It's critical. So let's let's go to the story. So you are the VP, senior person, HR person in a company. You love the job. You love the people. No issues. You're doing well. Yeah. You start to feel what we've been talking yeah. about. Yeah. So in that and starting to listen to it, I'm realizing, okay, so if I'm here for more, what's the more, right? So here my logical brain mm -hmm. kicks in. Great. So if you're not here, where are you going to go? Obvious question. So I start to explore and I'm starting to research everything from psychotherapy, um, social work, um, philanthropy, like what can, what can satiate this? And while I'm searching, I stumble into the wormhole universe that is human growth and potential. 
right? Like I had, <laughs> I mean, you know what I'm talking about. Cause I know. Well, I, I turned up to a Tony <laughs> Robbins event. That was my kind of like worm. Right, I was yeah, like, what the hell have I done? <laughs> right. Yeah. Something happens. And all of a sudden it's like you, you kind of peel in and then you open up and you are in this land and you're like, where am I? And it just feels all <laughs> kinds of feels and it's all potential. So as soon as I started into that wormhole and realized it was a thing and then started researching and realized coaching was at that time, the second fastest growing industry. And I was like, okay, there's something here. So then I started allowing that to be a more narrowed path. Mm -hmm. And then I found the um, best uh, accredited coaching school I could find. Um, and I started talking to the admissions director. This is where the story gets good. So I started talking to the admissions director. This it's lovely, good, it's lovely, good already. It's like, don't worry. <laughs> even better. Um, I started talking to the admissions director and then he gives me the information. This is the investment. You know, it's a year long. It's adult learning. It's this, it's that. Da, 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 da. You'll come out with this certification and these are your potentials. And I was like, okay, great. I'm going to do it. And he sends me the agreement and I do nothing. And then a couple weeks goes by and I'm like, okay, no, I meant for this, right? Because there, that, that emptiness comes back. The, you're, what, seriously, like your soul's dying. Are you not going to go for that? And then I reach out to him again and we get on a call and he is lovingly coaching me through things like, you know, okay, it was a $10,000 investment at the time, right? Which felt like the end of the world to me, okay? So this not is because, so funny, Tracy. Right? This is hilarious. <laughs> not, not because the money wasn't available in some form, but what I realized was it was my fear was on fire. And yeah, you didn't trust yourself. You're the same as in the situation as me. You're thinking like, I, cause it didn't matter about the money. It's more the fact no. of it's, it I, the I didn't believe in myself. I didn't believe in my, well, who am I? This is what, and this is how I teach uh, a component of the way I teach fear is to identify your fear talk track, right? Because yeah. your self doubt isn't real. It's just being brought to you by fear. And the only problem there is, is that you keep believing to believing it and attaching to it as if it's real. Is that but a repeating not. pattern? Do, 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 do oh, those, yeah. Are those tracks that have formed many they're, years ago and they just keep yes, repeating? They're pathways, okay. right? Inside of your brain. And it's like, oh, when your fear response is ignited, <laughs> I know the thoughts to make her think, to get her to sit back down and do nothing, right? Because again, moving into coaching school is a whole unknown, what we just talked about earlier. So I am paralyzed for almost two years. From the day I found cream and growth and potential to the day I actually leaped into giving this gorgeous gentleman the $10,000. Two years. Two years. And, and once I realized that fear was the culprit or really my abdication of my power to letting fear be more powerful, I vowed that I would figure out what the hell just happened. How was it, Tracy, that you could be so pumped and so jazzed right? We've all had those moments. Hell yes, I am doing this. It's going to be amazing. And then you just wait 35 seconds and your mind gets involved and you're like, whoop, maybe not so much. Who am I to do this? What if it's too much of a risk? What if I suck? What if, right? No. So then I started to obsessively study the biology of fear, mm -hmm. risk perception, and the art of change neurologically. So you and understand that two-year gap now? 
Right. right. Sam, that, sorry, say that again. The question I've got before we go yeah. there is, yeah. how did you feel in that two years? Were you conflicted all the time or was yes. it something that you repressed and go, oh, well, I, I, I didn't really want to do that. I'm just going to stay in my lane. And then it came back and hit you. Was it like a, like a wave? <laughs> it, it, it was like, it was like an EKG boom, boom, up, up, down, up, down. Right. And it would come in waves. And, uh, the, the, the ability now that I've been gifted with, because I also understand I had to go through that experience because what I have uniquely brought to the world in my work could have only happened because of that experience. Yeah. Cause you so have to now, understand it for yourself, right? And understand then- it and then research it and give the most digestible, simple, the work that we do, Nick works 100% of the time. And what I am saving, I'm saving my clients years from their fear response, right? Because when you understand and this is the this is kind of like the most simplified version of that experience. Change happens at the speed of safety. Okay, let's unpack this. Let's get a little bit into the the practicalities now. I think it's the yep. right time. Cuz yeah. cuz the question that comes to mind when you when you say that, like if we go back to that first point when you had the conversation with the guy the 10 grand. Yeah. What would you had to have done or understood or felt or whatever way you frame it? to have said yes at that point and done mm. it, actually paid the money? Amazing, amazing, great question. Twofold. And this is where we learn how to leverage our spiritual energetic being having a human experience. Okay. I would have needed to be so emotionally connected to the vision. Mm. The vision, right? Yeah. So I'm doing this and what's the vision? We're imagining the stages I'm going to speak on and the lives that are changing every day and the impact that I get to make being the vessel, right? Because I've been chosen. When you get a call like this, this is not about Tracy Litt. That's like who I am in the meat suit. I'm the vessel to deliver what needs to be delivered to make a dent in our world, right? So the first thing would have been that vision and that excitement in the vision and then that belief in that vision. And then the second thing would have been regulating and giving my nervous system the safety that it needed. This is good. That's, that's the work. If you are, yeah, if you are, (laughs) if you're not regulating, if you are not, that's why change happens at the speed of safety. My nervous system was doing its job. I'm going to help her survive. And in order for her to survive, it means she can't change. So in order for me to perceive safety for her, I need to keep her the same. So I'm just going to say something because I want everybody to jot this down. Same, safe equals same to your wiring. Safe equals same, which is why the unknown feels so scary until you understand it differently. Well, that's why people keep doing what they've always done, right? Correct. Because nobody is really, really, well, until this conversation and the work that, that the Lit Factor is doing, and I'm so proud of it, when you can teach someone the biology of change in a way that's so simple. And the reason I, uh, I, I realized this recently, my deepest disempowering core belief my whole life was that I wasn't smart enough. I write about it in my book. Um, it was super pervasive. Uh, it created behaviors like skipping school, not going to college, all kinds of interesting things. And as a result of that, the way that I learn and perceive things ends up getting delivered in such simplified, digestible chunks 
that it is part of what has generated so much success for our clients. Because now if you can come to me from this big human potential enigmatic world and there's quantum this and there's neuroscience this and there's that, and I just like say it to you in a way that finally makes sense. And you're like, oh, all I have to do is that, that, and that. <laughs> Great. Now people are bellying up to the bar and they're really doing the work and taking the level of personal responsibility that they need to take to show up for the lives that are available to them. What I like about the simplicity of the, of the two areas you spoke about is one feels more, there's an art to creating a vision, right? Mm -hmm. You know, there is, the, there is the idea you have to, and I, and I get this from having done it. And interestingly, when I went to that Tony Robbins experience, I, I dropped 10 K on that, at that event, partly because, um, partly because I needed to, right? Yeah. <laughs> Cause I'd already gone yeah. through the catalyst, but partly also because I, I had a pretty clear view. I don't think it was as clear as it is now, but I had a pretty clear view on the vision, right? Mm -hmm. The bit that I didn't know um, is is the, the the science, if you like, if we want to go there, the the biology, the what those those other factors of how to deal with that. Mm -hmm. So, so the journey post that experience for me had its ups and downs because the vision was clear, and I was just trying to do that sort of macho brute. I'm just going to lean into the vision, right? <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but yes. the fear bit was still there, and there were definitely points over the first eighteen months, twenty-four months, where I could have gone back. Mm -hmm. I didn't mm -hmm. in the end. Yeah, yeah. So let's yeah. understand. I, I, let's understand both of those things because I think this does get practical for listeners here. But mm -hmm. I really want to lean into the, the 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 simple things that people can do to be more. Maybe the word's wrong, but be more comfortable with fear to mm -hmm. understand that it actually yeah. serves us. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I, I want to just, I know we're going to put the Ted talk in the show notes and I want to emphasize it because there's some actual exercises in, in there and some profound work that you can do because what it first starts with is changing the way you relate to fear, right. And actually shifting your relationship, um, from fear, having the power, because mm -hmm. that's what happens. The big, the big switch is we live our life and fears in the driver's seat, but we don't recognize it. And then we listen to a moment like this and we swap and then the fear goes in the back seat, and we are now in the driver's seat, right? That's your responsibility. You are the director of this gorgeous meat suit, this magnificent tool in between your ears, this, this mind of yours. You get to think the thoughts that you want to think to experience the life you want to experience, right? And the embodiment of that next level version of you is the fastest path. So when you say you had your vision that you came out with, but then there was some like rocky road, right. To, to kind of getting there because we can't create the, ver we can't embody and experience the vision that we have, which is bigger than us and has greater things and more and different change while trying to create it from our current selves. Right. Okay. That it's makes like, sense. Right. It just doesn't work. And it also can't be I take a personal issue with the word tools in personal growth. Um, it's not a tool because a tool implies you need to be fixed. And a tool is something you only whip out when you feel like you need it. It's also an external thing sometimes, isn't it? It's like uh, you, have uh, to, yeah. you have to grab something. Boom. Yep, exactly. <laughs> As exactly. opposed to it coming from within you. Yes. And embodiment comes from within you. Practicing, yes. practicing, right? So for you at that time, what I would have said to you is great. So you have this vision. Now set it and forget it. Who do you need to become? Who is the version of you that is currently waking up on a Tuesday morning inside that vision? 
How does he walk? How does he talk? What does he tolerate? What kind of energy does he emit? What kind of thoughts does he think? How does he show up and lead? How does he create space in his life? Like you literally design the version of you who's loving and living. You know what's interesting? I kind of did this, but I don't think I did it in the way that it's, it's funny listening to this now, right? Because I didn't, I didn't go out there and I suppose proactively look for it. I was more um, curious maybe is the way to think Mm. of it. So I'll give you an example of that. So I started saying early on, so so one of the first moves I did, which changed everything. And the fact that we're here today having this conversation is I launched this podcast. And, and that was more of an insightful perspective on, I said, well, if I'm going to change my trajectory of where I have been, I need to do something that A, I feel uncomfortable doing, right? And I was very mm-hmm. uncomfortable doing this in the first few yeah. episodes uh, until it became a bit, had a bit of success. And then I thought, well, you know, I have to, I have to present myself in a different way. I've got to put myself out into the world mm-hmm. and feel comfortable doing that, or at least mm-hmm. feel fear and then feel comfort to yeah. get to help people which yeah. was the whole mission. But yeah. I started to say this. I used to say, you know, you can't scale a business um, past the level of your identity. Now, exactly. you could take that further and say you can't scale your life past the level of your identity. But for me, it was about it's the person that you need to become to be able to create the business, the environment, the world around you. And I, I didn't read that anywhere, I don't think. It was just something that I started to experience and then started to talk about. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful and it's spot yeah, it's interesting. on. It's, well, and it's, I want to ref- I want to reflect something else back to you that's important because you said the podcast was scary in the beginning. Of yes, thousand percent. Um, and then once it gained some success, you felt good to go with it. It's not because of the external success. It's because your nervous system started to feel safe inside of it mm. because you were doing it repetitively and you didn't die every time you did it. So your nervous yes. system is like, okay, he's good. Okay, we can do this again. He's still alive. Okay, we'll do this again. I have some evidence, right? Because we, what we get to recognize is uh, that anything different than who we are and how we feel and what we've already created and experienced in our lives inherently is a threat to every part of our mind and body and system. So every change is that every every change is a threat because your nervous system pers- your nervous system is wired and imprinted right and it is literally like if you could imagine that I'm a nervous system and I have antenna on my head and I'm just scanning all day is this unsafe or safe is this unsafe or safe is this unsafe or safe where's the problem is it unsafe or safe and if it is different then what your body and mind has evidence and experience for, right? Like before you launch your first podcast, your system was like, okay, well, let me look and see, has he done this before? Do I have a screenshot? Do I have a memory of Nick doing this? Oh, and what does this mean for his visibility? What does this mean for how many people can judge him? I don't know. This whole thing, I've got nothing that tells me he's going to live to tell the tale. So it ignites (laughs) our fear response. Right. And this is, this is what makes this so fun because when you can just lighten up, like the whole, there's no heaviness around this, you guys, there's no, there's no intensity and heaviness to change and healing. That's something that we work at the lit factor really intentionally to eradicate, lighten up, lighten up, relax. No one's getting out alive. Okay. Let's have a little bit of fun with this. If you are willing to tap into what you're capable of, that's, that's where you need to start, right? The willingness, because you can't pull yourself along and you never want to pull anybody else along because of what it takes internally to get to where you want to go. Okay. 
And what about what about the degree? So, for example, if if change, mm-hmm. all change is taking someone out of their comfort zone. So it's out of safety, right? You know that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But there are certain things that feel scarier. Yes. So the de- the degree of fear is what I'm talking about here. Mm-hmm. How does how do we how do we decide that? Is it you know if you go back to the science behind this, you know surely I'm 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 increasing or decreasing the fear that I'm feeling. Yes. Well, so there is not a universal answer to this because our life experiences, our traumas, and our nervous systems are as unique as our fingerprints are. Mm. So what my nervous system deems as high alert fear to me, you might be like, "Uh, no, I got nothing. Like I'm yeah. good. Well, we see that. You know, don't we? you know, if you go, so it's like going on a um a roller coaster or something at a mm-hmm. at a Disney park. Yeah. Like some people yeah. will be terrified of that experience, mm-hmm. and others will just do it repeatedly. Yes. Same experience yes. or same yes. same event, but different yes. way of experiencing that event. Absolutely. Some the visibility is another great universal example, right? I'm just going to come on and be who I am, and it doesn't even occur. I'm good. Whereas it could be very paralyzing. For someone who's experienced um, trauma around abandonment or never being seen and heard or not feeling like they matter. And then what that trauma did to their nervous system. There's imprints that we have, right? So when we, we, we get to recalibrate and retrain our nervous systems to become more resilient, to be able to um, have the receptors that are going, is she safe, unsafe, safe, unsafe? start to lessen their hypervigilance, right? They're still going to respond, but the more resilient your nervous system becomes, the the, the part that uh, perceives it is your thalamus. And then the thalamus is either sending a signal to your amygdala to go fight, fight, freeze, run, tiger, or to your prefrontal cortex. So your prefrontal cortex could, could then say, this is just Facebook Live. You're going to be okay. <laughs> Do you know yeah, what I'm saying? <laughs> I know it's it's fascinating. I mean, and I and I can see that like because some people build situations up to be you know almost paralyzing, right? Whereas mm-hmm. others, I can I can absolutely see how that works. Mm-hmm. If you were someone comes into into your world, yeah, and they're hearing this for the first time, and they're yeah. thinking, well, you know, is there a, is there a way that I can learn to be very comfortable with fear, no matter what level it is? So what, what is, is every, in other, what I'm getting at here is, do I have to treat everything that I'm afraid of like a starting point again, or are there things that I can be doing practically, which just gets me more comfortable with the whole concept of fear generally? Yes. Phenomenal question. And the answer is yes. And both a little bit, maybe. So okay, well, let I, me explain. I, I, I would expect nothing less, <laughs> um, but I do want to, I, you know, yeah. I know there are going to be people cause, cause it's funny. My audience yeah. is a mix of, of, of all sorts of people. A lot of them are entrepreneurs and people who mm-hmm. are in that world. And I know a lot of them will be listening right now going, well, I, I get this. I, I get this, but I don't know what to do. Yeah. Okay. So I've got you. Good. <laughs> because, because this is our area of mastery in our company. We teach the how, yeah. the how of within, which is the only how that actually is your business or needs to be prioritized. So to give a a real answer in support of of this beautiful community, 
yes, there are things that you can be doing to bring about. And I want to shift from the word comfort because comfort gets a little confusing and it's kind of based on the way you see it. So let's just talk about what feels safe and what feels unsafe, because okay. that's something you can start to perceive in your body. There are absolutely things that you can and will to start to do to cultivate more safety on the regular so that you can give your system the safety it needs to jump the levels that you're capable of jumping. Oh, I like did that. You, okay. Did you ever play Super Mario Brothers? Oh, yeah. I'm, I'm, okay, I, I, I look young, but I'm old. <laughs> okay. Okay, great. So then we're probably the same. So, you know, in Super Mario Brothers, where you're literally playing the game to jump level to level to oh, level yeah. to level. Okay. If you think about it like that, your expansions, right? You have your zone of familiarity, like your, your comfort zone, right? Yes. And then every time you become your next level, you expand. The ring expands. And now we are holding and learning how to feel safe with more money, more exposure on your podcast, more love in your life, whatever it is, right? So it's kind of like the levels. Yes. So your system needs to have that safety so that it will allow you to jump the levels and not regress back to okay. be able to acclimate. So now if you're at level five, right? Sitting and holding and calibrating your nervous system. And I'll give like a, a tool that, I mean, a, a practice that everybody can use for it and allowing yourself to now evolve your identity to your point, because it's all an identity evolution at its core to start to see yourself as the version of you who loves and feels safe in, I have this podcast and I have all this great leadership responsibility and all this is flowing in and, and sitting there and it requires slowing down, which everyone doesn't like. Oh, I hate it that. Oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Someone said to me, a coach said to me once, slow down to speed up or something like that. I think it was uh, a Navy well, SEAL thing. Yeah. <laughs> Well, I can't it, remember. It, it's, it's true on that, right? Like uh, um, uh, Abe Lincoln, if you give me eight hours to chop down a tree, I'll, send, I'll spend six hours sharpening the ax. Yes. Yeah, like it's smart. And that's not even the lens I'm referring to. I'm talking about slow and spacious so that you can reconnect to your body. So that you're not like back schedule, schedule, schedule. You guys, it has to change. The way we operate is not okay. It's not healthy. It doesn't make any sense. No, where is everybody running to? Okay, you got to slow it down so that you can hold the space for your expansions. And what does right? that and do? So, so again, just jumping in on that. Yes. So, if, does that create a new sense of awareness? You know, because because oh, oh. you know when you're rushing around, it's chaotic, and it's hard to even just think sometimes if everything's very very busy. Go 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 go. But if you yeah. slow down, it's that idea of you can see what's really going on and connect with it. Is that what it is? Yeah. It, that and when you slow down intentionally, you are taking your nervous system from a sympathetic stress state into a parasympathetic uh, rest. This and is the bit that's interesting to me because that's the stuff I haven't really understood very well. So, mm -hmm. yeah, yeah. So, if you are running around like a chicken with your head cut off or any iteration of that, you are operating in stress, and stress is terrible for you, full stop, right? So when you slow down intentionally and you start to breathe, which is a one of a million different beautiful um, practices for your body and your system, your system goes from white knuckle, go, 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 into relax, open, restorative. And in that space, you become more connected to your body. And when we're more connected to our body, we can hear our higher selves more clearly mm. and more loudly. We also get to hold space. Yeah. We get to hold space for the emotion that we've been suppressing and repressing. So when I, 
sorry. Go, <laughs> you can go, tell go, what go, I mean. So when I had that experience of trust yourself, trust yourself, trust yourself, we were going through a form of meditation. There it is. At that point. I think, oh I think, I think thinking back, it was when we were connecting uh, sort of heart wave, as it was explained, to brain wave. And this idea that you can actually get those things operating at the same frequency. This is how it was discussed. It was interesting to me because everything in my, in my world back then was head. Yes. So I think we had sort of hand on our heart yes. going through this meditation. And it was at that point that I could hear these words. That's right. That's right. Yes. That's exactly it. And that's, that's heart and brain coherence, what you're talking about. We can get our heart coherent and our brain coherent at the same time. <gasps> What's wow. happening to our electromagnetic field is outrageous in terms of its potency. And that's exactly right because you're, when you're in a stress mode, your brain wave is in beta, right? And beta is like, go, 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 constant, constant, constant. What am I thinking about? What I'm thinking about? Right. And when we can then drop into alpha, which takes you from your conscious mind to your subconscious mind, and then from alpha into theta, now you're able to hear things because the mind busyness has slowed down. Wow. Yeah. It's amazing. So, practices, we, I touched on meditation. Yes. I can understand, I can see now why. The, 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 even whatever whatever we call meditation, the idea of slowing down, using breathing, using breath work. Yeah, yes. that's obviously one of the practices, right? Yes, one of the practices, breath work. Um, and I want to gift this right now because it's a really easy one, mm. and you can even Google this type of breathing so you can watch someone do it. In addition, alternate nostril breathing is mm. phenomenal. So what it is is it's basically like plugging one nostril, breathing in through one nose and then plugging it and breathing out the other nostril. And you're basically rotating, alternating the nostril that you're breathing in and out of. And what that does is it deepens your breath. So it activates your lower lung, which is where your parasympathetic nervous system lives. So when you activate your lower lung and you breathe deeply and slowly, it's like you're saying this to your body. Hi, it's safe. It's safe. All is well. Right? Could you imagine like if that's how we were operating? And the other bonus of the alternate nostril breathing is it thickens the gray matter that exists between your left and right hemisphere of your brain. And it makes that stronger, which makes your brain more coherent overall. Really? As yeah. as a as it like it strengthens over time or actually Yeah, like it thickens. No, in well, in the practice, but cumulatively. As well. Okay. Cumulatively, oh. yes. Yes. So alternate nostril breathing and anytime you change the rate, depth and pattern, even if right when we're done, you're done listening to this episode and you close your eyes and you breathe in for a count of four, hold for a count of seven and exhale for a count of eight, you're going to have an experience mm. because you're changing the rate, depth and pattern of how you breathe. Wow. And when you're in that state, we touched on a few different things that can happen. Yeah. What's your view of, of, of how, how you operate, how you make decisions when you're in that state. And um, I, I'm not necessarily looking for a, oh, it's better. Like it's, it's, it's no, obviously different, but, but, yeah. but, but what sort of, what can you expect? In the beginning, you might expect, expect some anxiety. You might expect it to feel unnerving because you're actually relaxing for the first time in a long time. Your system, your old program might buck and be like, this is stupid. 
you have too much to do, stop breathing, right? So you have to pay attention <laughs> to your mind, to your mind. And I can say this because after serving thousands of women across the globe, it, it comes out over and over and over again, right? It's just like, I don't have time to breathe. And it's like, no, 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 no. That's your programming that doesn't want you to change, right? That there it is. You need to be in direction of all parts of you instead of um, letting it run you. Right. So, so you can anticipate that. And then after you move through that and you kind of get over that hump, if that happens for you, you are going to have a connection with your body. You are going to feel emotion. So when the emotion starts to come up, don't do the whole, like, I'm going to get up now because we have been fear. We could do a whole other episode on this. We have been so misled on what emotion is and how to experience emotion that most of us have suppressed the majority of our emotions. In our lives. Yeah, that doesn't so, sound yeah. um, crazy to me at all. Because I think <clears throat> some, in some cases, you know, the environment that we start on as little kids, school, mm-hmm. and then we go into into the workplace and things like that, a lot of it's about conforming to certain situations. Well, we're, we're raised in a control matrix. It just is what it is. That's, that is the way the culture and society has been bred. And who you become until you start to work on yourself is being generated by your first family, right? Like who raised you? What was the environment? Um, generationally, because now we know through epigenetics that things are actually passed down to you in utero, right? Mm-hmm. And then the patriarchal society under which we were raised. You take those three areas and that's what's created all your paradigms. And that's yeah. what you need to unbecome. Basically. And so, again, I know we haven't got a heap of time to be able to go through all the practicalities. We've done one. Yes, <laughs> There's yes, a lot of value yes. in the conversation, but yes. yeah, and I, and I am going to obviously recommend that people kind of lean more into your work and, and understand that if they've, if they've been inspired by our conversation. But if you had someone come to you, actually, before, before I ask this kind of one of, the, one of my last questions, but sure. I'd love to know, you work with, with women predominantly, but also men. Is there, is there a difference in terms of how a man or a woman approaches this in the beginning. Yeah. In the beginning. Yes. In the beginning. Yes. Because we, we, we were conditioned differently. Yes. We were conditioned differently. So men tend to repress it more. Uh, different things. So men were more conditioned to, um, perceive weakness around what they deem as soft skills. Right. I mean, you really bring it down to cave people days. It's like hunt, gather, you are now valuable. Yeah. Right. Don't feel, don't emote. Don't all these things were kind of like the messaging. And then it's the exact opposite for women. Sacrifice, be of service, be responsible for everyone and how they respond to everything that did a number, but it's okay because this literally why we are here doing this work. It's why we are going to change for generations to come. Consciousness revolution is here. And the only way to improve our world to raise the collective consciousness to shift the frequency of our world which is what then generates generational change is one person at a time you don't change the world by focusing on changing the world you change the world by focusing on each individual being going in and doing their own internal healing and growth and ascension work and then the ripple effect of that is scientifically guaranteed because if the variable itself changes, everything in proxy to the variable has to change in response to this variable shifting. And now you have ripple effect. Yeah, I got it. Yay. Yay. It's huge. So <laughs> final, final kind of question-ish 
Well, I say that. I, I love it ish. <laughs> I always ask about three or four questions after. Um, but but I am. If someone comes to you, right? They've yeah. or they've listened to this. They've listened to our conversation. Cool. We've gone in a number of different ways today, and they said, "Okay, I want to. I want to start. I want to start exploring." And I want to, obviously not so much the reading, the researching, I want to start exploring on me, right? Mm. The practicalities. We've talked a little bit about breathing. What are the other things that I, I can do to start mm. to help myself feel safer? Amazing. Here's where we need to start. And this is where it all starts. I want you to start to cultivate your non-judgmental observer. Okay, so we call this your NJO, your non judgmental observer. And you're going to do that by setting breathing alarms on your phone. Okay, so hear me out because mm -hmm. your system's going to be like, I'm not doing that. I don't have time to stop six times a day for 90 seconds to breathe. Yeah, you do. Because if I was invisible and followed you around all week, I would show you hours of wasted time on social media and Netflix and other garbage that you're in. I'm sure you'd in. also be knocking, okay? on, knocking on the shoulder saying time to breathe. So uh, exactly. exactly. <laughs> That'd be helpful. So what we're going to really, really practically have you do if you are so willing to take on this experiment is set alarms on your phone, not like on your Outlook calendar, like actual alarms to go off six times a day. You decide morning, midday, blah, 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 blah. And every time the alarm goes off, you are going to pause what you're doing and you are going to breathe. Now you can choose alternate nostril breathing, right? You can um, choose um, uh, the four, seven, eight breathing, which is simply breathing in for four holding it for seven and exhaling slowly for eight. Okay. You're going to do that just a couple rounds of that. So we're talking about 60 to 90 second break six times a day. That is going to start to cultivate your non-judgmental self-observation. Awareness is where we begin. You cannot change what you are not aware of. And sometimes the awareness itself is instantly curative. Right. So I told you there'd be more questions. So yeah. again, I'm going to ask a typical question, which you're probably going to say is there's no typical. Um, but how, if someone did that practice consistently for a period of time, how would, how would they feel? Or is the, huh. or is the feeling? I could tell be you, different? I could tell you, no, I could tell you because this is what, this is the beginning of everything we do. Yeah. Right. Um, after you move through what I expressed before about your body trying to fight you and you ignoring all your breathing alarms because your old program is winning, like, let's just be prepared. Oh, yeah. Okay. If, if, if change was easy, the personal growth and potential field would not be in existence. Okay. So yeah. just know that, um, you will experience better respiration, more focus, a deeper connection to your body more understanding of your path to opening your heart again, because most of our hearts are armored because of the way we were raised in the society we lived in. Um, you will get hits of clarity on things because you're going to stop overthinking and beating the dead horse because you're finally interrupting yourself. And ah, you're going to slowly create more safety in your system. And you're going to be aware like in my book, I describe it as the hologram version of you. Like, could you imagine if there was a hologram version of you observing you all day, 24, seven, 365. And they were like, Psst, that thing you said you were going to do by noon, you know, it was two days ago. Right. And you still didn't do the thing. Just checking. 
Right. Oh, did you notice you just rolled your eyes when and your spouse? And that's the higher you... self piece, is it, that we spoke yes, about it's, it's, at the very it's, beginning of this? It's connected to your higher self piece, yes. And it's recognizing that when you can start to observe yourself, what you're doing is you're starting to observe your old program. And as soon as you start to observe yourself, you're raising your consciousness and now you're not the program because you're watching the program. Wow. Okay. So you're above it and you can see you can see it for what it really is then, right? Yeah. Yeah. You're like, oh my God, isn't that interesting that she's losing her mind about that? Wow. Okay. That's great. Right? It's data. It's curiosity. And that's where that, and then, then as you can see, just by how we're discussing this now, then the journey continues and there's deeper components of the work. And then we'd get into thought work and we get into belief structure and we get into different elements of fear. Um, and we're talking about your energetics and prioritizing your emotions and breaking up with your emotional addictions and all these beautiful things. Wow. So fun. I'm going to be disciplined and, and not ask any more questions now because I, I did promise that I would be um, courteous with your time. No, I love it. I, I'm thrilled. I, I could talk to you for hours. This, this is, let me say this mindfully. This is my calling. And after my beautiful husband and my children, this is the love of my life, this work. I get it. I could I talk it. about it forever. Yeah. Well, when you, when you understand your purpose and passion and all those sort of things, you know, it's not work, right? It's, it's, um, no, it's, it's more not. of a mission. We need a I better word for it. We need a better word for it. <laughs> I know we do. And I don't like the word passion and things like that, but I, I do like the idea of, of purpose, you know, mm -hmm. and the idea that you, what you were meant to be, you know, doing on this world, you connect with however yeah. we, whatever words we define that. Yeah. I yeah. get it. Well, listen, Tracy Litt, it's been a long time coming. <laughs> Thank you it. for coming on the show. We did it. We did it. It's taken a, it's taken a few months to get it organized. Um, your website um, and your business is The Lit Factor. It's thelitfactor.com. Um, we are going to link, absolutely going to link your TEDx talk um, to the show notes of this episode because it is excellent. Really, really good. And as you said, there's some more practicalities in that that people can kind of do, but is there anywhere else that you would like to direct people to today, Tracy, if they want to learn more about you or specifically if they want to get in touch? Uh, yes. So at the lit factor and it's lit with two T's on Instagram. Um, I am in my direct message there. So if you want to right. say, Oh, what about this question or this hit me? What would you do next? Like, let's just be in community and connection. That is what I love the most. Um, and let's link the word, my worthy human book, because that'll be super helpful. It's both um, story and theory, but then there are the work sections throughout the book. So I've had people get the book and go, oh my God, I transformed through the book because they really showed up to the work that's in the book. So I think that would be great too. Awesome. Well, Tracy, it's been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming Thank on the show too. today, sharing your wisdom, as I said, inspiring the listeners. Um, I've, I've personally got a heap out of it. There's some things that were clicking over in my brain. You probably saw as we were talking. Um, so there's some stuff that I'm probably going to reconsider, I think as well Yay. as I go through my journey. So thank you very much for that. Thank you so much. Hey, thank you for listening to this episode of Scale Up with Nick Bradley. If you enjoy the show just as much as I enjoy creating it for you, then I'd really appreciate you leaving a five-star review wherever you listen to your podcasts. And while you're there, why not subscribe to the channel so you never miss a future episode? It really helps me. It helps the show. Plus, it makes it easier for others to access the content that I'm producing week in and week out. And finally, if you want more information about anything you heard in today's show, or to find out how you can get more help in scaling up your business and your life, click the link in the show notes now to learn about our coaching, mentoring, and mastermind programs. See you soon.